0: You're listening to Rocks Heart Radio with host Roxana Moran. This month, she hears about AI and cardiovascular medicine from guests Tanya Day and Peter Fitzgerald.
1: Hello, it's Roxana Moran, and it is February Heart Month. How exciting! And uh, for this month's episode, we have a fantastic, exciting guest with us, um, and we chose a topic that I think is going to be you—you you listeners are going to love. Artificial intelligence. Isn't that just everything that you hear? If you don't hear the word art AI or artificial intelligence at least 10 times a day, you must not be living uh, in 2024. But certainly in uh, this month, we're very, very excited. Our guest is Dania Day. She is an interventional radiologist at, at MGH, um, faculty member at Harvard Medical School and at the MGH MIT Martino Center for Biomedical Imaging. She's assistant professor of interventional radiology over at Harvard Medical School. We're just so excited to have Dania here because she's done some seminal work and some great work, especially for us interventionalists. Uh, now she's an interventional radiologist, but you know we're all doing the same things. And how do we incorporate uh, AI, big data? And it seems to me that uh, radiology or imaging procedures certainly are the lowest hanging fruit where we should really be thinking outside of the box in terms of what we could do um, a- in enhancing what we currently have, uh, which is, I think, augmented intelligence rather than artificial uh, to enhance uh, how we could move forward and, and move towards the future. So welcome, Dania. Uh, is it okay that I call you, Danya? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Okay. and you can call me me, Roxana. I just, you know, wanted to make sure that it was okay with you. Uh, You gave a sort of out of the ballpark uh, talk at ISAT 2024 just this past month, talking about um, AI. And maybe what you could do is just tell us where where are you? What what are you thinking about this, and why? Um, I know that you've done some really great work with some of your internal medicine docs in terms of CT scans. I looked up some of the work that you're doing on several things that you're leading, but more importantly, where where do you stand in terms of the use and applying uh, augmented intelligence in, in interventions?
0: Well, and again, thank you for having me uh, here, Roxana. I mean, I think, as you said, this is a very exciting time uh, for AI in medicine. And uh, we're just scratching the the surface, the sky is the limit. Um, uh, I mean, based on the talk that I uh, gave uh, last week, I uh, gave a quick overview about all the aspects of care that uh, AI is going to touch. And for us uh, interventionalists, AI is going to touch pretty much every single aspect uh, of uh, care delivery in the care continu- continuum uh, that we deliver from patient selection, pre-procedural planning, inter-procedural support, patient risk stratification, response prediction, and really augmentation of uh, uh, patient-facing uh, care. Um, I, I would say in terms of where we are uh, today, uh, in terms of AI in uh, clinical medicine, we are definitely starting to see uh, many new algorithms uh, being uh, integrated into a uh, clinical practice. If you look at the list of FDA cleared algorithms, uh, the latest report that came out uh, in October actually mentioned 692 approved uh, or cleared uh, uh, reports uh Uh, uh, just uh, a few months ago. Um, So there are lots of opportunities for incorporating a lot of these algorithms into clinical care. Now, in terms of seeing their uh, direct impact on patient outcomes, I I would say that we're still in the infancy of uh, of that uh, specifically. And honestly, for all of us, this is what really matters is that how are we impacting uh, patient care. We are starting to see some of uh, uh, the data uh, come up in in those areas. we presented uh, uh, some data uh, last week about what we're seeing, for example, in uh, the PE algorithms uh, that are implemented uh, in clinical practice. There's a lot of data on uh, the algorithms that were uh, Im- implemented for uh, intracranial bleeds, uh, where there are direct impacts on patient care, but we're, there's a, still a lot of ongoing works for many algorithms where we're starting to look at that.
1: No, it's really, really exciting. Uh, some of the things that you talked about uh, were in um really exciting areas of prediction models that can really help patients even make informed decisions if they know based on their body composition or ct metrics what their outcomes could be after a certain procedure i mean i know that you know we're working on some of these algorithms in terms of risk assessment of patients and choosing different drugs with with risk benefits for our patients with just antiplatelet therapies for example i i i um i showed some of the machine learning work that i've done but i seem to think that this is even bigger and much more precise and it's much more individualized because it's based on the singular element of of a very very important imaging um uh, technology of, like, let's say, if it's a CT scan, if it's a tumor, if it's a, if it's a, whatever the procedure is that you're working on. Do you want to expand a little
0: bit on that? No, absolutely, and uh, you know, opportunistic screening uh, with CT is uh, an emerging area that we're uh, seeing a lot of applications for uh, right now in uh, in medicine. I mean, this is an area that was uh, started a number of uh, years ago out of the University of uh, Wisconsin. Perry Picard is uh, the main person who uh, started um, uh, this uh, area. And now many of us are uh, starting to uh, use the algorithms that he originally proposed to see how we can use those algorithms to predict uh, risk for a disease and even risk for response to therapy. Um, I I presented some... uh, 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 data recently uh, showing that we can uh, incorporate CT body composition uh, metrics, looking at uh, body fat composition, uh, for example, muscle uh, uh, percentage, um, uh, among other things. Uh, When we incorporate those metrics into uh, the MELD score in patients who are undergoing uh, TIPS procedures, uh, patients with liver disease, we can actually improve our prediction of mortality in that patient population. There is a lot of work that has been uh, done um, uh, by uh, other individuals looking at uh, being able to predict uh, 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 response to a specific or outcomes from surgeries, uh, response to chemotherapy, among other things. I mean, we're just scratching the surface The algorithms that are out there doing opportunistic screening output, you know, tens of different data points. And we're still trying to understand how to use those. Um, so there is still a lot to be done in, in the space, but I think where we are today is very exciting. And as you said, I, I think this is going to really lead to more precision medicine in terms of trying to predict the best treatment for the best patient for the best outcome.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, we're just so lucky because we have a, a guest appearance um, that I'm just so excited to introduce. I don't know if you've ever met him, but uh, surprise guest is Dr. Peter Fitzgerald, who's director of the Center of Cardiovascular Technology, director of the Cardiovascular Core Analysis Laboratory at Stanford. And he truly is a pioneer in so much of the innovation that's going on in cardiovascular field, both in in our procedures, but seriously, heading up the Stanford Asia MedTech Innovation Program. everything that he's done and he's brought here. Hi, Peter. So nice to Hi. have you here. Thank you for making time. I didn't know you were going to be able to be here. Well, I'm just when, so when, when,
2: when, when, when Rox calls, you you shuffle. And, <laughs> no, uh, I'm just so
1: happy you're here because our listeners love hearing from you. But Danya here is just this brilliant young lady who's working mm-hmm. over at, uh, at MGH at Harvard. And she's, uh, she's, you know, I got member. to, I got to
2: listen to her just recently yeah. in a meeting in Florida and I was, uh, and I
1: said, right. Yeah.
2: I, I was uh, uh, not only impressed, but I was humbled. By yeah, so, what she, so what do you what think she's... about
1: what she's saying? Is this reality? Cause I love that you yeah, Peter absolutely. will tell us the future before we even Think about it because you've already thought about it, been there and done that. No, so where do no, no, you but- see what where she's coming from? Is this going to be the future where on your handheld device you already know what your procedure is as a patient? You already have t- discussed your planning with your with your doctor. The doctor has got all the planning done with all of his or her subspecialists who are helping. All the planning has been done. You go into the procedure. And then, of course, the patient knows exactly what's going to happen. And then you're going to know what your mortality risk is, what your risk of X, Y, and Z is. And you're walking out. And then you have your televisit. And you're just very happy with your cell phone and your outcome. Is this what's going to happen?
2: Yeah, I, I think it, there is going to be that and um, and maybe um, some you know, it changes a little bit. I think you're going to um, be able to communicate with a component in between when you're signed up for a procedure and when you get the procedure because that's a, an anxiolytic component. And we have bots now that talk to you, uh, that uh, communicate with you, that answer your questions. I tried to, um, to talk to a bot Uh, I don't know, a couple weeks ago by one of these companies about a procedure that was coming up. It happened to be a um, a pulmonary artery procedure. And I I could not uh, persuade them to go in to out of bounds. They communicated with me. They understood. And I got to be Irish irritable. And the bots are able to now with the collective amount of information to communicate and be able to assimilate information for you and for what it means with respect to real world issues. So I think what Danny is talking about, is really important, but it may not be the same folks that communicate with us today. As we go to that procedure and then that procedure you can walk into that procedure and have it be done before it's done on you mm. with your anatomy and with your, you know, understanding. And so we, we have a lot to learn, but we have a lot to uh, appreciate from some of this technology to really make the the, the the people, the patient, the procedure, and ultimately the result much smoother than the iterative Process and some and somewhat, you know, stress, um, you know, uh, amplifying process that we do today. So I, I think what she's doing is great. I think it's going to be the future. There's no question about it. And 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 just like what she said at the end, right patient, at the right time, for the right procedure, that's going to be the, the the holy grail uh, going I- forward.
0: I also think
1: that there's, a, there's that part of it that the nervousness about the operator themselves that may not be there may not be having as much experience as the guy who's done 1000s of these, they have the, the procedure planned, based on the best possible results that they should be expecting, based on the anatomy using machine learning. And then of course, they're um, seeing what's supposed to be the final result. And what they're looking, if they follow things exactly as um, the machine tells them to do. Is that right? I mean, that's what I, that's sort of what I picked up. And that is fascinating. Imagine how much better the anxiolytic for the patient is one thing, but the operator, I mean, that is a huge you know, because I know when I have a complex procedure, I go in and I go, what do you think about this? How should I do this? Should I, should I cross the right? Should I do this? Should I, what wire? And they imagine that the machine using everything it knows based on that anatomy and on everything else that it knows is laying out the procedure step-by-step for you. And if you follow it like this, you should do okay. Is that, is that what?
2: Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, yeah, let me just, you know, um, interrupt a little bit because, Roxanna, you have a a, a wealth of information and a wealth of experience that you've integrated into what you do. Getting a hierarchy of what you should do is important. But being able to decide what the right thing is for that particular patient, you know, they always say that the best uh, healthcare professions know how to do, the better ones know when to do and the best ones know when not to do. So you're gonna put that hierarchy on that, you know, uh, synthesized uh, hierarchy, and be able to merge those two together and optimize patient you know, care. I, I,
0: I could not agree more. I mean, I think as, uh, as Peter mentioned, AI is really going to augment how we practice, going to make us more efficient, probably gonna provide for safer care, better quality of care, but there is really uh, no replacement to human judgment. I think there is always going to be a human, um, a human has to be involved. Um, And I mean, not to mention that when we start talking about AI, uh, there are also liability issues um, in medicine. Um, And I know we're just scratching the surface uh, today is that when an AI fails, who's responsible? And this is why the FDA has different categories for approving Uh, The AI uh, algorithms and many of what we're seeing being uh, approved today is more on the decision support uh, uh, end of things. For things that uh, uh, start diagnosing and uh, uh, making things like that, that approval process is very uh, different, and I'm sure uh, that that can be a, a different and much longer conversation.
1: Now, I think you our did. listeners are relieved, of course, uh, as we started this, I talked about, I, I often don't call this artificial intelligence, but really truly augmented intelligence that, that we really are, are learning, you know, we're being guided, but that we are in the driver's seat and you have a copilot Absolutely. and and there, it's a copilot. But isn't this fascinating? And our um, audience who's listening I know they're thinking, wow, this could be the future and let me get ready for it. And I'll have more information, but I will I will be more informed as well. Any last words, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 I think this short and sweet, but go yeah, ahead. Yeah,
2: Rox, I, I think the only thing that, um, and I think, uh, Danny, I, I kind of talked about this a little bit at a recent meeting, but some of the folks that, you know, don't have the same experience that might be, 30. I know rocks here only 40, but you know, um, some of those folks that are just getting into this, they they should embellish this. They should embrace this. Um, And, and, and some of the older folks should, you know, um, synchronize with this and not be afraid of getting involved in this. It's a new era and it's not going away. And um, I, I think it really adds to how we can really communicate and bring value to what we do in a real concerted way for the people, the patients that have these, uh, these uh, issues that we're dealing with episodically. So I, I think it ends up being a win-win for both sides. And I think we haven't seen that before. I grew up in an environment where I told um, folks and patients to do this sort of thing. And now, there's more of a, a congenial process and that's how it should be when you're talking about.
1: No, it's it's so well, uh, well pointed out and you're 100% correct. Uh, no matter what age you are, this is here to stay. We have to think about it, embrace it, but it can't replace us and we can only use it to augment us and make us better. But what I wanted to last say is that, um, is there, are you worried at all is there anything that you worry about? I worry a little bit about privacy issues and uh, patient information. If my CT scan goes anywhere, I'm gonna be really upset. <laughs> if everyone is saying, oh, look at Roxana's liver. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want to actually
2: see
1: your liver. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in in the Persian language, there's a whole thing about the liver, like. They say the terms of endearment are in, the, in a Persian language that if you really love somebody, you want to eat their liver. So I don't want my <laughs> liver
2: anywhere.
1: <laughs> but but what are you worried
0: about that at all, Danya or Peter? Maybe you first. Danya, go and then,
2: ahead.
1: And
0: then- sure. You know, I mean, I, I have to say, I mean, this is a very exciting time. This is definitely going to change how we practice. But there are definitely um, a number of guardrails that need to be in place for us to uh, deploy ai safely into clinical uh, practice and a, a number of things uh, you know come up uh, uh, over and over again when we have these conversations i mean i think having local ai governance looking into uh, data privacy Um, actually uh, the anonymization of uh, imaging. I mean, you specifically mentioned the liver, but now one of the biggest issues is that patients who have head CTs, you can actually reconstruct their faces from the actual head CT. And how do you uh, 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 anonymize that? Um, I I think there are lots of things along those lines. And then there is also the fact that we need to start having legislation in place to have the guardrails at a much larger level as uh, the adoption of uh, AI uh, really actually speeds up. I mean, we're, we're, this is uh, getting quicker and quicker uh, by the minute and we need to be able to to keep up and have those guardrails in place to protect our, our, our patients, which is really the, the most important thing here.
2: Who, yeah? who, uh, who, who, who administrates those guardrails?
0: And I mean, I think that there are, uh, in my opinion, actually, that has to be a, a two-pronged approach. It has to be both governmental and also it has to be a, a local at the institution and the board level for for medicine boards. Yeah. I, I think uh, definitely it's uh, everyone's responsibility.
2: Yeah, I, I think that some of the AIBM and some of the other um, efforts that are more healthcare, I don't trust the government, and, and, yeah. and you can put that off on in spades. I, I, I don't think that that's going to help. And we just saw the issue of the government talking about Meta and other folks, and they, they're clueless. But what I do think is that we need to get some of the societies to align with us and the communication be synchronized. But the other thing that I want to just mention is if I have some type of head and neck cancer, I don't give a for you to have my data because i want to be treated most optimally and have those data be integrated into real world data so that i yeah. get the best treatment so yeah. we worry sometimes about all this stuff but we don't think about it when it comes to us personally That's a i'm happy to- and I'm happy to give up my data if I have that problem. So, no. you know, it, 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 there's two sides to this point as well. But don't let the government decide what should be regulated, in my opinion.
1: No, I think that's those are really beautiful final words. Um, thank you both so much for your time. I promised we'd be out by the top of the hour, and, and we are. And it's just great to have you. Thank you, Peter. I owe you one. Love you. Oh, Danny, it was nice to see you again. <laughs> and was so it. nice it. to Donya meet
2: you Dania, did, you, nice me. did a great job at ISA. It was okay. amazing. You, well, you we'll make sure job. you're
1: you're over at TCT uh, this year. I'll we'll put you on our faculty. But then oh, for sure, you. Peter, I can't wait to see you. Miss you. Hope all is well and, and lots of great uh great yeah, I'm, in,
2: I'm, in, I'm in I'm in Israel and I'm doing what you would do if you were here. So you know, everything's good.
1: Yeah, to hang in there and uh, let's hope for peace and love in the rest of uh, the world and uh, all of us and uh, enjoy this heart month. Bye.